To you it's just a game, for me it's all I know I make them remember my name before I have to go Losing, I can't fathom, that's a champion's passion Confidence never lacking, drop the beat, let's attack them They be checking for the content, you tired of that nonsense No gimmicks, break limits, quality is I promise This is more than a show, this is a way of life Cause the game as it grows, takes us to higher heights Check the stats before you check me And don't tell me who the greatest if you don't know the history Robert Ramon and Carlos the new big three and if the pins ain't from them don't bring them to me because i go off like a rocket launcher man i just hate the beat i'm a real monster i can hear the crowd chanting mvp that's my mantra here's a standing on for the opinionated bench warmers Welcome to the Opinionated Bench Warmers Podcast, episode 30. 30. Yeah, 30. We getting through it. 3-0, hitting like that 30 on our jersey. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Your Opinionated Bench Warmers, Carlos, Ramon, and the boss you're hearing right now is Rob. And I must ask, and I've been dying to ask, how you feeling, Los? <laughs> <laughs> Super Bowl, yeah. man. That's been so long ago, man. I just want to test the temperament. I kind of put it behind me, bro. Oh, you put it behind you, huh? That's yeah. how you chalk it up, huh? Yeah. What did you think about it? How you feeling? I'm feeling great. I mean, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good, yeah. too, right? I've been feeling, like, ever since Sunday, I've been feeling very good. Yeah, yeah. But I'm glad y'all feeling better after that disappointing Saints loss, man. I'm glad that was y'all. Now, that's in the past. Y'all lost the Super Bowl. I'm glad y'all feel better. That was y'all makeup. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, a couple things with that. I was disappointed in Coach McVay in the game. Secondly, I was disappointed in Jared Goff. Thirdly, I was just disappointed in that game plan. Um, Gurley only touched the ball 10 times, rushed the ball 10 times. I think it was a situation where, I guess, C.J. Anderson came in the picture, and that was work. The two-headed monster was working. So, I guess they tried to tinker with it a little bit, and I think they overthought that. You know, you got somebody as talented as Gurley. He definitely, in a big game like that, definitely should have been yeah. touching the ball more to take a little bit of pressure off golf. Yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to create any type of excuses in any type of sense, but – does something seem off with Gurley to y'all? Do like something seem like? Yes. Do you think he's one hundred percent healthy? Do, like no. something just seemed off. Even like later in that playoff run, you look at Ty Gurley early in the season. Ty Gurley was an MVP candidate. Like he was pretty much viewed as probably the best skill position player potentially, like in the league. You know, could have been viewed that way. Uh, probably was leading for offensive player of the year at one point, and then all of a sudden down the stretch, just really wasn't having much of an impact. So I don't know, something didn't seem right to me. So I'll say that I agree with you. I, um, he didn't look right, even on his his explosive runs. And I, when I was watching the game and I was talking to the people at the Super Bowl party that I was at, I was like, he not right. You know, I know on his explosive runs, he hits a, another gear. You know, watching a player, you know, for this multiple years how they look when they get in open field and even when he got in open field he looked like he like he just didn't look healthy i mean but at the same time that's 
fans talking, you know, and uh, I want to say this about the game, you know, uh, they didn't make excuses. You know, the Rams, they came out, they said he was fine, we lost. Coach McVay came out and he owned it. He said, hey, I got out coached. This was on me. Golf came out and said I played, like, terrible, like, you know, obviously. Yeah, and they did. owned it all. You know, they mm-hmm. owned it all. They didn't make excuses. They didn't blame the refs. None of that stuff. And they owned it. And I respect that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think this was the, the trashiest Super Bowl I ever watched. It was, oh. a, it was, it was pretty bad. Oh. Broncos, Seattle a couple years ago. I mean, but at least it was, like, explosive scoring. Yeah, but on one end, yeah, it was. <laughs> but I mean, but I, this one was like, it was just, I, it just wasn't much action. It was, it was dink and dunk. But I, I think what you got to look at is, are you now playing into why they having all these league these right. changes, these rules changes in the league? Because if you really that. look at it, it was a defensive struggle. So, sounds to me that you wanted up and down the field scoring offense. And that's part of why they're making these changes. So, I don't. I don't think it was. I don't think it was necessarily anything to do with the rules. I think it was more so golf played horrible, and I think that it was just like it was a dink and don't type game. Like they was going underneath the whole game. I guess that's what they was giving them. I guess that was the game plan. Maybe you know, made it. Maybe that's why Edelman had you know what ten receptions. Yeah. But uh, I, I mean, I didn't. You know, I just thought it was. I don't think it was the rules at all. I just think it was just the. the I guess the performance why I mean, it made the Patriots defense look like, you know, I don't know. I, I'll say this. So, I was watching the inside NFL, you know, and the old school, you know, uh, they had Ray Lewis, all the old school people. They say they loved it. It was one of the best Super Bowl games they ever seen. You know, and that's just the old school mindset. You know, I think we came to fall in love with that, you know, that type of output like the Rams and the Chiefs put up early in this year or, you know, the the championship AFC game when they were going back and forth, the Patriots and the Chiefs. You know, I think we kind of gotten spoiled with a bunch of points. But if you look at that game, you know, yes, Jared Goff played bad. But if you look at the other side of it, you know, Tom Brady also played bad in that game too. You know, if you look at his stats, you know, going into the fourth quarter, what a lot of people don't realize, that game was still 3-3. So, I mean, it was anybody's game going into the fourth quarter. So, I would say that, and I would just say um, it's just I think we should I should I think we should at least give the Patriots some respect because the word was the Patriots went in on their defense and had two different defensive calls going into each play, and then they would change it up, you know, based off the look. Like pretty much what what you know Sean McVay do with Jared Goff, with you know calling out an audible or whatever. The same thing Belichick was doing with his defense, which was unheard of. So do you have one with one play, and then he'll switch it, maybe right before the ball is hiked, or you know I don't know exactly how they did it, but that's what confused Jared Goff all game, and it, it was a, a hell of a game plan. Yeah, yeah, I, I like you said, man. It's you got to give credit what credit is due to the Patriots. They've done this year in, year out. Now I mean, that's nine Super Bowl appearances. With six, you know, Super Bowl titles, and you know, like you said, it was just kind of next level game planning right there um, for the Patriots. And you know, all in all, what I was just trying to kind of bring out right there is that you know we saw that fans aren't really into defensive struggles, and so that's what I was kind of trying to bring out. Right. Not necessarily, you know, focusing and pinpointing on the rules, but what I'm saying and what the point I was trying to get to: if fans don't enjoy defensive struggles 
then the league has said, oh, we noticed that. Let's give them as much offense as possible. And so that's why you have defenses being compromised by these rule changes because they're doing it to gear to explosive offensive games. And, and so that's what I was getting at with that point. As a fan of the sport, I, you know, I know the sport and I know I didn't still like, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's, I guess it's hard to say because, proof, you know, you can see it. You can see that the defense dominated, but I could just really just see, you know, just just poor poor play calling. You know, I, I didn't agree with all the play calls that they made. You know, maybe, you know, maybe, you know, Los would know better than me. Maybe Gurley is, you know, was a little hurt, but the fact that he touched the ball a little, you know, 10 times. I didn't, you know, I didn't see the creativity that, that was there that usually that I was expecting. Like, you know, we said the razzle-dazzle, how many plays with trick plays we would see. I didn't see much of that. Uh, it just wasn't, you know... I guess it was a, just a, a poor. I don't know. I, I can't say because I've seen the Pages all season, and I'm not gonna say that they're a dominant defense. Yeah. But they locked down one of the top offenses in the NFL in a, in a big, huge game. So it's just kind of hard for me to, you know, digest it. I guess. I guess my counter to that would be, um, maybe because of the level the defenses were playing at is what made it not seem like razzle dazzle. I mean, I can use for an example. One of the games that I felt, and I'm talking about college football now, was one of the best that I've seen, is 2011 Alabama versus LSU. That game didn't seem like a bunch of razzle-dazzle offense because those defenses were just so dominant in that game and executed so well and came prepared for basically anything that that other team's offense had for them. And so what I'm saying in a sense is, okay, maybe it it obviously wasn't Rams-Chiefs you know, that we saw in the middle of the season where it's up and down the field. But maybe it's a situation where the defense is just game playing so well. As Los is mentioning, if they have two calls and they audibly like that, you know, okay, maybe it was quote-unquote razzle-dazzle, but the receiver just couldn't get open. Or, you know, blah, 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 couldn't, you know. So, you know, it's give or take. huh? Yeah, I agree, I agree with you, Ramon. I think um, if you look at the game and you look at a couple plays, you know, yeah, it was a lot of dink and dunk, but I think the Rams did take their shots. They just didn't connect on them. A couple Brandon Cooks plays where the ball was right there and he dropped it. You know, the back of the end zone, golf was late on the throw. And then towards the end there to tie it up at 10-10 where, you know, you know, Brandon Cooks had a chance to catch it. You know, that was another long pass, you know. And then the next play, of course, Jerry Goff threw the interception that pretty much ended, you know. And so I think... I think it's just it's 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 tough, man. I you know it's I think I really think it was just winning to two of the great minds going against each other, two teams that was just well planned for each other, and took away their best things that they did. You know what I'm saying? And so the only thing they could do was pretty much dink and dunk. I said I think it was just a game of the minds that it was just yeah. As a fan, we don't see the detail of it, but I think you just had two of the great minds going at it, and that's why the game was so low scoring that. We, you know, the the Patriots have been known to take away the best thing that another team do or the best player, you know. And I think the the Rams really limited the Patriots' offense, you know, until that fourth quarter where they pretty much spread the Rams out. Once they spread the Rams out, you know, went five wide, you know, that really threw the Rams off because they're used to uh, they're used to um, you know uh, the pound the, the pound round the pound what the uh, Patriots do. Uh, that's what they were expecting. So I think that that they the adjustments was the biggest things. Sean McVay never just made adjustments in that game. Ne- no major adjustments. And 
the Patriots made the adjustments, and then that's when they scored the touchdown at the end. Yeah. <clears throat> now, I think one of the, the biggest things um, is one that we had kind of discussed last week was what the impact was going to be based upon, you know, the call, how all that went with the NFC Championship, and we don't have to rehash that whole thing, but how it would impact ratings. Um, and I know it was kind of discussion that it may not really impact them, but I don't know if y'all saw, but I think they said this was what the lowest rated Super Bowl since 2004. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it was the, um, I think in New Orleans, the ratings were down 60%, I think this year from what they were the previous year. Mm-hmm. Um, so it For really, obvious reasons. Yeah, right, right. So it really showed that, you know, it really was kind of some, a little bit more to that and some really an impact based upon that call and based upon the city basically saying, yeah. hey, we're not going to watch it. That, you know, extending really towards the state kind of feeling that way. So I just thought that that was kind of interesting, too, from the Super that was another. That was another reason why you got to kind of look at that. The refs had a lot of pressure on them after that NFC game. So they was going to call it a good game. You know what I'm saying? They was going to call a game. They wasn't going to give... No tic-tac foul, no tic-tac, you know, penalties, none of that type of stuff. So they was going to call a tight game. So that probably also led to the low scoring, too, that the rest wasn't, you know, throwing flags or not throwing flags. They they, they called it a good game. Yeah, like I said last week, I figured the, the ratings would be down. And it's not just because of the call, but I think the call had a lot to do with it just based on, you know, a lot of money is on the line. People betted on that game between the Rams and the Saints. But not only that, you know, you had a, you know, the, the the Kaepernick thing. You have the, you know, the 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 you know the anthem, you know, type deal going on. So it's a lot of things that's going on around the NFL and why the ratings drop. And I think I said last week, you know, if, if the commissioner, you know, if he doesn't lose his arrogance and you know don't get his head out the sand, the NFL ratings are going to continue to drop. You know, they have to continue to work on ways to improve their product that they put out on the field, but. You know, um, but being that, I think that the last, you know, few minutes of the Super Bowl was, was pretty good. Like the last, like the fourth quarter, like the last, what, eight minutes were pretty good? Yeah. I, uh, action packed. I thought what was interesting is the fact that on the Patriots drive that really, I mean, was really what sealed it. Because, I mean, you pretty much knew when they scored that touchdown, that was going to be, mm-hmm. you know, the baseball and how, you know, the defense had played so well all game. The Rams probably weren't going to score another touchdown. I just thought that. For them, they went to the same play three times in a row, but they attacked the Rams' defense in three different ways. You know, they were, you know, one, it was hitting the seam route. The next was hitting the hitch route. The next was hitting the, the option route. And just kind of seeing, you know, how they had that same setup and the Rams, you know, defense was getting the line and they just picked it apart. And that's really how they scored the touchdown. But, I mean, you know, it is what it is, I guess, for the game, you know. Yeah, so uh, Tom Brady got his sixth one. Yeah, and, goat. Uh, Ty yeah. Michael Jordan is the goat. Only Ty Michael Jordan as far as rings. Yeah. I don't really. Okay. MJ still the goat. Um, that you know, uh, he said he has no plans on retiring or anything. He don't even see a retirement in his future. How long you see this man doing this? <laughs> I, I mean, just, just chiming in on it, I think it was discussions about him maybe playing till 45 or something like that. Man, I can see Honestly, it. at this he rate, you know, I can see him doing it. And what, what he's really trying to do and what the Patriots even tried to do was to ride this whole underdog wave. Mm. And so with Tom Brady, you know, I think if they can quote-unquote – 
uh, try to be this underdog, that gives him more motivation to continue to go, to continue to get up, to continue to. If it's all this talk about him being the GOAT and him ring after ring, you know, he needs that same thing that like a Kobe needed or like a MJ needed that, hey, you know, people are doubting me or people talking about me or people this and that. And that keeps him going. So, I mean, at this rate, I mean, I could see him going to 45 maybe. Um, I think the main thing with me is that I respect it. You know, it's good to see like a, like kind of he cut from that old school cloth. You know, he's ultra competitive. You know, championships drive him. I saw a quote recently that came out in in the pre Super Bowl week where he was talking to I don't know a specific place. Like we don't chase we don't chase Pro Bowls, we chase rings. It's all about championships, and I love it. I love when an athlete who's an elite an elite athlete is still motivated. You know, he's a, he don't you know he don't have nothing else to prove. First first ballot Hall of Famer, no doubt. He's already but proud of this was 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 a. Uh, uh, undebatably the GOAT of the NFL and he still has that drive to continue to compete so I respect it man I hope that he does make it to 45 but I think at the rate of these new age athletes I think that 45 is probably the new number I think we just starting to uh, like kind of nip the, the iceberg what we probably will see we probably will see Mahomes play to like 40 or something like that we out, you know, it's it's gonna become the norm. You yeah. know, normally, you know, thirty years, you thirty years old, you'll see a decline. But I mean, you look at LeBron. LeBron was thirty four, and LeBron's still playing in the elite high level. Yeah. So you know, it, I don't. I think that age mark is, is 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 gonna change with with the technology and sports medicine that we had today and the knowledge we had today. I think we. I think he can make Eclipse forty five. Yeah, I agree with you, bro. I agree with you. I just don't. I think watching the game, I think some of those passes came out and it looked kind of Peyton Manning, Manning-ish, if you know what I mean. How Peyton Manning looked for Denny. <laughs> hey, y'all gonna, y'all gonna stop taking shots at my boy, man. Y'all gonna stop. That's the third week in a row. Man, ducks, man. So I don't know. He, if if he continue, you know, they keep running the ball. If they ever got to put the ball on his shoulders to win games. I think they, you they'll know, you be might fine. see that decline, that Peyton Manning decline. Late in the games, late in the games, he'll be fine. Huh? Late in games, they'll be fine. He clicked. I don't know. I don't know, man. Man, Drew Brees got noodle, had noodle on versus the Rams. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> want to talk about it. He had a couple of times undefeated. <laughs> He had a couple throws. I was like, man, he, did he stretch before the game? But I, I think one key thing going forward, like you said, is that running game. And, I mean, Sonny Michelle, that was his rookie season. So, you got a running back that seemed like he can be stable oh for a while. With the addition of also, too, you know, however long you can keep um, James White back there as well. So, I mean, I think that they can um, – depend on that running game but I mean we'll see as, as it goes forward but yeah. he still I think it at least got two years left in him oh yeah oh yeah so now that we got that out the way it, we today is a trade deadline date uh what do we want to begin with this uh man it was I want to talk about I want to talk about KD I want to get that out the way right quick Okay. So, did y'all see the press conference? Yeah, I saw the press conference. Yep. Man, like, do y'all want to... Ramon, you got the best memory. Do you, you want to uh, kind of cap with yeah. 
I mean, so essentially, uh, what happened is, first of all, for the last, I think, week or so, like seven to ten days, uh, KD hasn't really been speaking to the media. So he's just been kind of going into practice, not coming to them after games, not speaking to Most the media. Most likely with his mouth poked out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm not going to talk right. to them. And so, so he finally spoke to the media. Um, and when he spoke to the media... Basically, there was a question that came up that, once again, he didn't feel like he wanted to answer or needed to answer uh, surrounding, really, free agency and all of that. Um, so when that happened, he just basically kind of, like, cut it off and said, you know, essentially that y'all always making something out of everything that I say, basically. That, and he just want to you know, play ball. I just want to play ball. I want to come in here, play ball. And I play this. the game the right way. Yeah. So <laughs> what do y'all, why do y'all do this to me? <laughs> yeah, so like he went through all of that and kind of, you know, shut that down. I think the reporter kind of came and rebuttal kind of quickly. And then he went back into his whole thing. So I that's say what this. it is. I say this, man. Everybody in this world has a job to do and do something for a living. These reporters in this this meter, they're doing their job. Wow. I mean, my thing is, there is nobody in this league that faces more scrutiny than number 23 for the Lakers. And he's been facing that scrutiny since he's been in the league. He's been in the league, what, this is year, what, 16, 16 years? 16. I don't think, I think that, you know, the way LeBron has carried himself, he doesn't really lash out at media you know, he really kind of, you know, if anything, he has clever ways of, of expressing himself. And, you know, I think that KD came off, you know, and I like KD a lot, you know, but, you know, we had this discussion about KD uh, a couple pods ago, you know, we was talking about is he going bad, you know, uh, not going bad, uh, breaking yeah, bad, yeah, yeah. you know, and I think that, you know, this further proves it, you know, you crying about the media asking you certain questions and... That's their job to ask you those tough questions, and you can choose to answer them or not answer them. But saying, "Oh, well, uh, I don't have to talk to you guys. Why do you? Why do I have to talk to you guys? That's a part of your contract. You you're you're required after each game to do press conferences. You're required in the beginning of the season to talk to the media. You know, I don't. I know that he's human, and you have to. You know, have those perfect. You know, you have to face those. You have those issues and feel those, that type of way. But I think that, you know, him saying that, oh, I just want to go to the gym. I just want to play basketball. I mean, it just come off as, as, as like he's like, you know, like, I don't know, know the proper term without being inappropriate. But y'all know what I'm getting at. Like, you know, I just feel like, man, suck it up, man. Like, you know, you in the league, you getting paid this amount of X amount of money. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you don't want to answer questions, just be like, next question. Like, you know. See, I don't. I mean, see. you is no way you can. And then it goes back to to my to my uh, premise or whatever my my thesis, like the beginning of what I was saying. <laughs> Number twenty three goes through the most through the media. Everything he says, you know, you think about, you know, how frustrated LeBron might have been when everything he says about another player and how great they are that the media automatically spins him like, oh, LeBron is trying to tamper, or LeBron is trying to recruit, and LeBron in one of comes like. Ask me right now, would I want to play with Anthony Davis? Absolutely. Ask me, would I want to play for Kevin Durant? Ask me right now. Absolutely. Like you know, he handled that in a in a in a in a, in a classic way. You know, and you don't have to. You know, but it's just I, my. Oh, it's weak to me, bro. Now nah, I, I completely disagree with you on this. Completely, wholeheartedly disagree with you on this. And my my take and my view on this is that 
how okay, I know it's the media's job. They're trying to get these clicks, trying to get these quotes, trying to blah blah blah. And he really played into the media's hands, honestly, because he gave them something that they can get clicks with. You know, they can write and take that little quote and everything that he had, and he gave them exactly what, what they wanted. But the thing about it is, what is he going to say about free agency at this point? That's going to change from what he said earlier in the season, from what he's going to say two weeks from now, from what he's going to say tomorrow, from what he said three weeks ago. What's going to ever change about that? And so, in his mind, y'all keep coming at me with this. I'm not about to tell you that I'm going to be a New York Knicks this summer. I'm not about to tell you that I'm leaving Golden State. I'm not telling you that I'm re-upping with Golden State. But anything that he says or any type of way, then it's going to be spinning or something. So if he says that, hey, I'm open to things in free agency, then it's like, oh, Kevin Durant is really considering being a Nick. Oh, let's write Kevin Durant is going to be a Clipper. You know, or if it's the other thing. So it's like, what he's saying. I mean, you can chime in. It sounds like he's crying. That's what it sounds like. He sounds like a crybaby. But here's the thing, though. That's ridiculous, though. Like, you, just, you get paid millions of dollars, one. And you sign the contracts that you sign. You sign that one and one, and you one of the top two best players in the NBA. You potentially, no, you definitely, your move changes the the face of the NBA. If you leave, that changes the face of the NBA. If you go to another team, that changes the the power, the shifts of the NBA. So of course, you know people want to know. You set yourself up with that by signing those type of contracts, those one and ones. And so, I mean, that just comes with the nature of it. If you're good and you sign a one-in-one deal like that, people want to know what's next, you know, and that's what that's the hottest thing, what's next. He the, Knicks, was... the Knicks is a powerful, yeah. powerful, uh, you know, market. So, I, I mean, agree. of course that's going to happen. And to, to add on, tag on to what you're saying too, uh, Carlos, not only, not only that, he told the media to grow up. I mean, how many burner? I mean, you get caught with a Twitter okay. burner account and you're talking about grow up. How many Twitter, okay. how many Twitter, you know, how many Instagram comments has he liked? Yeah. And he's talking about somebody need to grow up. I, I get you that. that. That statement, I'm with you on that. My whole thing is that I know y'all saying the media going to want to know. Obviously, the public is going to want to know all this kind of stuff. But are they going to know? When do they ever know? Did LeBron come out last year and say, you know what? I am going to head to L.A. Or is Kyrie saying right now, you know what? I am going to go to New York. The media know what they're getting into when they ask these questions. They know they're not okay, about so to get a cut and dry answer. They know they're not about to get him say that I'm going to do this or do that. If he comes out and says something, then it's going to be like, okay, well, Kevin Durant not being a good teammate because, you know, now he leaving Golden State or he not focused on the though. team. You can't say that because you guys players like Kyrie has came out recently and said and say, I don't owe about him how he strongly don't want to go somewhere and how you know he's no he don't owe nobody you know sh explicit you know so you explicit. do get sometimes some candid responses but, so you just can't sit and say that he's not gonna get an answer sometimes but, you do get an answer but though. no 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 because still that's still different because even with Kyrie's example he was coming at the media as well. Kyrie came at the media. He answered as well. them though. He huh? don't owe them nothing. Not an answer. KD anymore. answered them as well. It wasn't the answer that they wanted him. No. A non-answer would have been him being right there at the podium and literally not saying anything at that point. He gave them an answer just like Kyrie gave an answer. 
Kyrie said he didn't know owe anybody anything. So that's the media, that's this and that. Kyrie said that what the media does. So I don't see how Kyrie's angle is anything different from KD angle when he said the same thing about the media. Kyrie sound, he said that they turned the situation and all that. Because Kyrie sounded tougher than KD. KD sounded like he was crying. Like, I just want to play basketball. About I, play the, I play the game right. I play the game the right way. I'm like, bruh, like, nobody is, like, the, the media twists my words. Oh, yeah, Katie. The media, you're the only player, you're the only athlete whom the media twists your words with. I don't well, trust you guys. Like, what are you talking about? Like, you're changing the it's whole different. narrative. Like, it's that, different because Kyrie came out beginning of the season and said, I'll resign back here if you guys will have me back. And then the media asking this question coming up close to the trade deadline about him coming back signing with the Celtics. He was like, and then you go from a sure answer to an uh, answer of you're not sure anymore. Oh, I guess you guys will see on July 1st. I don't owe anybody nothing. So, yes, Kyrie, when you answer those questions, no, you don't get the answer you want. But you get headlines. You get stuff that you want as so that okay. being your job as the media. And so, so that's with, with, with KD not talking to the media for the last week and all that. So, like, come on, man. You sign this. Like, End all and say, hey, I'm coming back to the Warriors. Say that, and then it'll be done. Nah. But he's not going to say no. it because he's gone. No, because, so because that's the issue. If, if KD says that, it's still going to be speculation that he's going to leave, and it's still going to, if he comes back this summer and, said, and ends up leaving, then it's going to be KD live and what he did to the Warriors organization and how he set them up with this and that. And I know that comes with the territory and all that, and I can get you. I completely feel you on the point of him not speaking to the media at all. I can feel you on that point. He should speak to the media. But when he speaks to the media and addresses a question and says that basically I'm not saying this or I'm not saying that, then I think that's his prerogative at that point. And what he did from that, just like Kyrie gave them headlines, KD still gave them a headline from that. It just not, might not be the, the typical one that we can put KD in a Knicks jersey or we can go and put him in a, a Clippers jersey, but he gave them still a headline. So I don't see of him, him saying his distrust of the media is different from Kyrie literally saying he doesn't trust the media and how they change his words as well. They literally both said that same thing. My problem is not that he didn't answer the question. My problem is that he, he, he crying. Like... No, no matter want to hear about, you know, you not trusting the media and, and people twisting. He, like, he made it like he's the only one that that happens to. And that's a common thing but you across the Kyrie board. Kyrie, Kyrie said, the, the main quote that I remember Kyrie saying is that I don't owe anybody anything. And I don't have a problem with him saying that. Damn. You know, what KD stuck out, why KD stuck out more is that he was just making complaints that I'm like, well, that really just what you signed up for. Like, that's really just what everybody's going through. And then plus LeBron being that he's under the most scrutiny ever and you don't really hear him lashing out like that. I just really can't, you know, when I compare him to LeBron, I'm just like, bro, like suck it up. Okay, I can maybe give you LeBron. But Kyrie literally said the media is reaching to get reactions out of me. That's that fine. <laughs> but what, KD, is, what is different from what KD said? Is, my, break, break, break this down. I'm breaking it down. Of him saying... The media is doing this and that, and that's why he is acting the way he's that's doing. That's not the aspect and that I'm attacking, though. I never attacked that aspect. I'm attacking the fact that he's complaining about... Kyrie complaining. No, I'm saying, I'm saying <laughs> them going, you know, him talking about, oh, I just want to play basketball. I play the right way. And then my issue with what he said was, uh, why do y'all do this to me? 
Like, that's my problem of what he said. It sounded more so like he's just, like, acting like he's the only one that goes through that. I'm like, KD, like, everybody goes through that. And there are people in the league that especially, you're the second best player in the league, but the, the very best player in the league, go third best player. The sec, the first best player in the league, it goes through it way more than you, and you never hear him have these types of complaints. That's what my issue of what he said. Now, I don't, I don't, I don't blame him for being real and saying, okay, you know, Y'all twist my words, whatever, whatever. That's fine. But when you go in and say, I, I, I want to go to the gym. I just want to play basketball. I don't want to talk to you. I'm like, bro, like, they the media. Like, who? It, what, it, what What makes me mad? It's the same thing with Westbrook in his interviews when he just, you know, kind of just, like, kind of snarls at the media. It's like you attacking, like, a defenseless person. You know, the, you know the media can't snap back at you. So it's just like, it's just like, I don't know. I just hate when, when, when. When when guys try to get tough with the with the with the reporters that's asking a question, that's all I'm doing. They ain't doing their job. Well, the reporters do it to KD because they know they can get a reaction out of him. KD's only weakness is his his ego and his feelings. That's his only weakness. If that's KD what I'm learns, saying. Get out your feelings. Get yeah, out your feelings. feelings, man. Yeah. What 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 I what I get with you and what and what I can what I can give you what I will agree with you on is the point that you brought out about him saying the whole me thing and maybe acting a solo thing. But I still I still don't agree with the other thing because other athletes have, not every athlete is LeBron. LeBron does what LeBron does. But you can't I don't see any other example of another guy that's high profile right now that's handling it exactly the same way that's being faced with those same questions. I don't see it. I've seen it in LeBron. I I can't pinpoint another example right now. Mm, I can't really pinpoint one either. But so the whole me thing, I get you. I get you with hey, the this old, is not a whole just it was, He said the twist the word thing, but the the eighty percent of what he said in that in the segment that I saw of that press conference, it sounded like he was being a crybaby. I I disagree with it. I think we I don't think we would ever agree on that. He's point. being a crybaby. Like, like he got to get about his feelings. And KD just, and then you just lump it on the other things that he said and how you be lashing out to me. I'm like, KD, like, we get it. You're not the nice guy out of, out of the University of Texas anymore. You're a grown man. Like, you made the decision as the, the second best player in the league to go to the best team in the league. And to win a championship, you expect you not to get scrutinized for it. If you're going to make that decision, make that decision and be be fine with it. Like, okay, I'm going to face scrutiny. I'll do what I want to do. But then I'll make the, make the decision and then just be like, well, you know, why is everybody messing with me? Why does everybody have so much to say this, that, and other? I'm just like, bro. But, and I, but I still think it's his prerogative and his choice of how he wants to handle questions. Now, I don't think that it's right that you just completely become a hermit and don't answer questions at all and don't show for it before the media. But if somebody asks me a question and I don't feel like going into that, then I don't have to. I, I don't feel that there's anything yeah, wrong. Yeah, I agree. I agree I with that. Like anything I agree, that. but don't handle like a crybaby. Like if you're a grown man, but like I don't, I don't feel like answering. I'm, not, I'm, you know, no comment. Like, but you know how those situations go, though. You know how that goes with the media. The media doesn't. The the media and, and don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to just put this all on the media, but the, the media doesn't just accept that. Oh, he doesn't want to answer that. Okay, we'll move on. When does that happen with the media? When does that happen? <laughs> I don't know. I just don't feel like it's a good look for him to just sit up there and just like say what he said because he just comes off as like a you know a crybaby I don't know I'm just I'm just 
I'm losing more and more respect for Durant by the press conference. It's, I disagree. I love I loved KD, but it's just I can't I can't get behind all that crying and all that man. Play ball, man. That's what he said he wanted to do though. But I mean, yeah, <laughs> so, wait, you <laughs> you peed into no, what he said. No, he said play I'm ball. Saying, That's what he said. But he with that, do. we all know that he's contractually contractually obligated to speak. Well, to tell the him, media. tell him to speak to the media. Then you just said no, play ball. That's what he said. No, he I'm just to do. saying like play ball. Hell, when I say play ball, that means everything. Be, that, be a professional. Yeah, be a professional. Be a professional. Yeah. That's what I. Thanks, Lowe's. That's what I'm trying to say. Be professional, man. Stop trying. Stop crying on, on, on media, bro. I'm, I'm so sick of it, bro. But anyway, yeah, so in other NBA news, the NBA All-Star rosters are released. We're talking about, talking about, the, talking about the trade. For, well, we already said it. Might as well get into it. LeBron's team, Giannis, obviously. <laughs> what is he doing? Giannis is like the worst, the worst GM ever. Yeah. Hey, stick I to. I hope the Bucks never go to him. For hey, Giannis, shit. stick to your day job, buddy. Because <laughs> putting together a roster is actually what was he doing? I don't know what he was. doing. <laughs> he just gave LeBron like like the easy dub. Like if they even act like they're about to play, then they then they will. You know, they'll probably yeah, win. Probably you got the starting lineups uh, pulled up? Uh, so, the starting lineups for each team. For Team LeBron, you got LeBron, obviously, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Kawhi Leonard, and James Harden. Oh, my um, gosh. And then for Team Giannis, you have Giannis, Steph Curry, uh, Joel Embiid, Paul George, and Kimball Walker. I think what the separation really is, too, is once you start going down that roster and seeing who else is there, um, just finishing out Team LeBron, he also has Anthony Davis, Klay Thompson, Damian Lillard, Russell Westbrook, LaMarcus Aldridge, Carl uh, Anthony Towns, Bradley Bill, and then that last pick with Dwayne Wade. And then on Giannis's team, he has Chris Middleton, Nikolai Jokic, Ben Simmons, Blake Griffin, D'Angelo Russell, uh, was it Bushevich, um, Kyle Lowry, and Dirk. So, I mean, it's, to me, pretty obvious that LeBron has the better team. <laughs> yeah, superiorly. And he made a trade with him. That's crazy, man. Like, God, I lead that team stack. I'm looking at this now on my phone, like, God, he has no weaknesses on this starting lineup, man. This is not even Giannis, bad. Bro, I don't know what Giannis is doing. Giannis was tripping, bro. Like, you know, he didn't even, like, he had opportunity to get AD and he passed on him. Like, what is wrong hey, with you? Hey, hey, his team, hey, hey, look at this, though. Check this, though. LeBron had a hell of a chess move with his drafting, man. You look at his starting five, right? You got Kevin Durant, upcoming free agent. Kyrie Irving, upcoming free agent. Kawhi Leonard, upcoming free agent. Anthony Davis on his bench, upcoming free agent. Klay Thompson, upcoming free right. agent. Like, chess moves, man. Like, this dude already two steps ahead, man. That's just crazy. To so, you think at. that's what he was doing? You think that LeBron was drafting oh, yeah. to recruit? Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's always a method to LeBron's madness, bro. And then just do it to do it. Uh, okay, all right. Well, I mean, Giannis obviously didn't get the memo. If I, if Giannis drafted remotely how he was supposed to, <laughs> that team wouldn't have been like LeBron. Like, okay, I'll take AD then. Okay, like his team really does. LeBron, when you look at his team, like he has no center in his starting lineup. Like he's like, well, I'm just gonna take hey, the best gonna, available. Get up and down the floor. Yeah. It's, it's like over. I'm just like, man, like LeBron had to 
draft the way he did because Giannis just left so much on the table. Like, how you end up with Kyrie? How you end up with Westbrook? Like Westbrook at the 16th pick. And then you 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 end up then how you end up with uh what I can't get over is how he ended up with AD. Yeah. Because yeah. And Giannis could have picked his teammate later he, on in the draft. He, he, he know that, that Middleton was gonna be there later, but he's trying to be loyal to his boy. Forget that. I'm trying to go get a dub, man. Man, that's crazy. Man, so that's crazy that I, if you Russell Westbrook, how do you feel about getting traded for Ben Simmons, man? You missed a triple double, and then LeBron, you know, trades you. They do a swap. And he get Ben Simmons on his team. And then now you're on the team with uh with his boy MB. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yada said he wanted that to happen too. Yeah. But even with that with that one, LeBron finessed uh <laughs> finessed <laughs> Giannis. Golly, Giannis really like you're a great player, Harbor Jim. So speaking of trades, trade deadline up front us, we discussed the AD. Uh, how frustrated are, are we as Lakers fans in the most unbiased, objective way we can be possible with how New Orleans Pelicans handled the trade situation? I think it was very immature and petty. Yeah. But, you know, Stephen A. swears up and down that Demp's job would have been on the line if he would have made a deal for AD prior to, I mean, during the trade deadline instead of waiting until the summer. I don't know what kind of credence that has. But I guess that does take a little. Regardless. Yeah, that's what I feel like too. And I mean, you got to do what's best for for the team, and you know, it, you know, they going off what ifs. And you know, I was trying to get some Pelicans fans to understand too is that yeah, right, right now, yes, it's it's nice to say you know why would we trade now? And you know, uh, Jason Taylor may be out there, uh, Kyrie may be you know available, whatever. But at the end of the day, these are what ifs. You look at now. You know, what do you yeah. offer now? You had an opportunity to get multiple first-round picks. You know, you have an opportunity to get a, a, a peak in Kuzma entering in his prime. You, get a, you got a B.I. who has a potential. You got Lonzo who has great potential. You know, when you're trading away this generational, which we said last week, franchise player, it's very, very fragile. And this would be an opportunity where they wouldn't be set back as bad as if they were to just give him, to let AD walk away. My my whole thing on this is that, you know, I know for a lot of Pelicans fans, um, and I can kind of see where they're coming from, but they banking so much, like you said, on the what ifs with the Celtics. When When has there ever been any evidence that Danny Ainge has made a trade that is good for both sides? Never. When has that ever happened? Never. You go back and look at the way that he got KG. Did that benefit Minnesota at all? Not the at way all. that he got Ray Allen, did that benefit the uh, Seattle Supersonics at that time and later turn into the OKC franchise? No. I mean, you look at the way that he swindled uh, the, the Cavs and getting Kyrie. Did that help the Cavs at all? Danny Ainge, the, 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 whole, the biggest one that he had was the whole swap with the Brooklyn Nets. And what that did for that franchise for so long. Did that help out the Brooklyn Nets at all? No. No. Yeah, but, people, but people's hate is so deep for the Lakers. So deep for the Lakers that they would not trade with them. They hate the Lakers so much. And what I don't understand is the Boston Celtics has more championships than the Los Angeles Lakers. That's what I don't right. get. It's like it's not like the Lakers have the most championships. Let me just hate the Lakers. No, it's... The, the, the fan base that people hate, it's, you know, the aura, the whole Hollywood thing. People just 
hate, you know, the magic thing now. Like, people really, you know, you send them a good deal, you know, we got to send 10 times a deal. We got to yeah. send ridiculous deal. You know, we got to, you know, pretty much strip our whole team, you know, to send a deal. And it's like everybody else, you know, they, they work against the Lakers. I've seen reports that, you know, uh, Popovich, you know, uh, the San Antonio Spurs coach, was telling the, the the Pelicans to hold tight, don't trade AD to the Lakers. Like, what is that? Like, why do people always do that to the Lakers? Like, why can't we have a a blockbuster deal go down? You know, it's like it's ridiculous. It, it's it's I just don't get it. You know, and I, and it's just frustrating. And, and my thing with that as well is why doesn't the league even alter or change some tampering rules? Because Everything that the Lakers does is tampering. They tried to get Magic Johnson for literally saying that Giannis Antetokounmpo was going to lead the Bucks to championships. Yeah, I like how you said that last night. Yeah. They, <laughs> they literally tried to get Magic for saying that Giannis was going to lead the Bucks to championships. But Greg Popovich can come out and say, don't trade Anthony Davis to the Lakers. And there's no issue with that. Hypocrisy. Like, I don't see how that's supposed to but be. Let, let's keep the conversation objective yeah, for the listeners because okay, yeah. they... You know how they, you know how they, yeah, do. even though yeah, everything like, like y'all say, even though everything y'all saying is all is is one hundred percent facts and true. So let's keep it, I guess, kind of, uh, you know, kind of like, uh, you know, objective from like we look from the outside in. Okay, we looking at this trade. Did that trade make sense? That we sent that first offer, that last offer with Kuzma, Bi, yeah. and uh, Lonzo uh, was a part yeah. of it. Lonzo was a part and of it. And two first rounds. Zubak and Zubak. So you got Zubak, who is an up and coming. I think was our starting center. Yeah, I I think that the trade does make sense, and of course they're gonna once again probably try to say we're looking at it from Lakers' perspective. But what happens is to me, teams get too focused on getting draft pick after draft pick. That is meaning that you have to consistently draft well. We haven't seen evidence that the Pelicans consistently draft well. Mm -hmm. So if you can get players that in a sense reset your rebuild quicker yeah. than what it would be waiting on draft picks that are so much of an unknown. You don't know what a draft class is going to look like. No. You don't know what prospects are coming. You know these prospects. And you know what, what if they you know get groomed and grow right, what they can turn into. And so, to me, it takes out some unknowns that are there. And you just solely uh, just really focus on getting a ton and a ton of draft picks. Because you don't know what's going to happen with that. So I think that the, the, the deal did make sense. Um, I'll give Los a chance to speak up on that before I go into anything else. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. I think the deal made sense. And I think, you know, I think personally the the Pelicans, they, they did this because I get why they did it. As a Laker fans, I hate that they did it this way. One, they did it because... You know that they believe that same type of deal would be here no matter what from the Lakers, mm-hmm. and I I hold I believe that too. I agree with them, and I think Magic will still offer that same deal over the summer for them for him. And so, but or you know, and then the summer they can get the Celtics involved into it. So I get it, you know, I get it why they did it. It was a, a smart move to do it and just to wait. But at the same time, I don't think they will get another a better deal than what the Lakers offered them. You know, and I think. They run the risk now of AD possibly getting hurt, and then you know you getting not getting the value that you want going forward, and so that's the risk that they run for it now. You know, not taking now now you deal with you know not maybe not getting that too many fans in the seats because you know AD may not he all of a sudden missing certain games and 
not playing certain, all of a sudden late scratches and stuff like that because they're going into eight, you know, also what we know as tank mode. And so, I, I mean, I think it's a weird situation. I think they should have moved on from him as soon as possible, kind of like the Knicks did with uh, Krista Persingas. Yeah, I I think, like, just to, you know, like you were saying, just adding on to it, I I think in their mind is let's get this to the offseason, to the summer, and be able to have all these options on the table, have as many options as possible. They still, in the back of their mind, feel that, okay, what if the Knicks, you know, stumble up and, and get the number one pick, and, you know, maybe it's a potential that they'll give us the number one pick, and we can go out and get Zion Williamson who is going to be somebody that's going to fill seats no matter where he is and has a chance to be, you know, an all-star, superstar type of player in the league. And so I think, you know, in Dale Dempsey's mind and the organization's mind, it is best to, okay, let's just see everything that's out there. But once again, as you were saying, Los, you're still running the risk, um, you know, of so many things that can happen, even particularly from the Celtics' perspective. What if you haven't figured anything out by July 1 and then Kyrie first day of free agency is like, hey, I'm headed here, I'm going to New York, or I'm going to LA, or blah, blah, blah. What happens? Do you still give up your young core, especially a piece like a Jason Tatum, um, when you don't have the surety that Anthony Davis is going to sign long-term? So then that depresses that deal, and that can make your market shrink even as well. You know, so it's just like, it's one of those things I can see why they did it, but I could also see why they could have went ahead and made the move before the deadline. Yep. Um, my, I, I do think the deal made sense. I think y'all touched on it all. I, y'all really didn't need, leave much for me to say. But, you know, I guess, you know, we'll see how it, how it goes. Uh, we'll see how it goes with the Pelicans and how they're doing going forward. And to your point earlier, I do think that Demp's job is on the line regardless. So, if I was him, I would have pulled the, <laughs> like, uh, Mitch Kupchak <laughs> deal with us and went ahead and pulled the trigger on on a, on, a, on a deal like they did with us when we got uh who was that um the center uh who who we drew who it was it was our two bad contracts that we got yeah when they got Mozgov like man make the trade man I mean well they signed him there yeah. but you gotta do Mozgov dang blew out dang yeah you gotta do something man they should he should have made the trade why not but that's just not like this last <laughs> yeah. sneaker. Right. But um, so we had some other big trades, uh, which we mentioned. Uh, what do y'all think about Marcus going to Toronto? I like it. I think it. I think it's perfect because they needed a big body to go against Joel Embiid in the playoffs. You know, and I don't think uh, uh, what was the guy's name? Valatunas. Yeah, I don't tunis. think he. Yeah, I don't think he would have matched up well against Embiid in the playoffs, and. You know, Marcus All has the former defensive player of the year, showing that he can show up and be a good defensive player. You know, and he still, Marcus All has always been a good passer. And Marcus All has, for the last few years, added that three point shot to his game. He always had a nice mid range. So I think it's a beautiful deal for them. And I like it for them, you know. And I think um, I think he's going to mesh well with that team, defensive identity and, you know, knocking shots down, you know. I, I, think, they, I think they're the favorite to go to the finals. Um, I do agree that I do like the deal. I'm not ready to, to pick a favorite in the East just yet uh, for me because it's like those four teams that are at the top, man, that's going to be a heck of a second round like in the Eastern Conference, heck of a second round. But I think this also just goes forth with everything that Toronto has been doing to recruit Kawhi Leonard. 
hey, we're going to go all in for you, Kawhi. So, of course, we've been seeing this year that they letting Kawhi sit out certain games. Kawhi pretty much almost can decide when he want to play or when he don't want to play. And, like, once again, we're going all chips in. We're going to make this run to the finals. We're going to try to win it all. You know, I still don't think anybody's going to beat Golden State. But, like you said, I think Marcus Gasol was the perfect piece for them. Um, and I don't think they had to give up really too much um, for him based upon the assets that went away. So, um, Toronto's going to be tough. Yeah, I, mean, I think uh, Marcus Gasol, he's not what he used to be. But I think that he is, uh, I think that he is, you know, uh, you know, a utility player. I think he is, you know, productive. He's averaging 15 and 8 right now. Um, I, I mean, I don't know, man. I just, I just the same way I feel about the, the, the Tobias Harris tree. Like, I'm like, yeah, it makes them better, but does it send them over the top? Mm, not really. You know, I, I think that, you know, it's a trade that does make them better as a team collectively, but I'm not saying that that makes them the, the clear favorite, just like you said. There's not a clear favorite. I, my favorite would be probably Boston, just because I've seen how they how they can do when, when they're locked in without Kyrie. So, you know, hopefully they probably will have Kyrie this going into this playoff. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't really – Feel any type of way. I mean, I feel like, you know, just like you said, it is a move that they have to show Kawhi that we, look, we're being proactive. We're getting, we're staying ahead of this thing. You know, we're, we're willing to make changes. We're willing to get these these players, these good players to to try to keep you here. And I, I think that's, I think that's more so yes. what the deal was about than anything else. I don't think that it was a deal that just like, you know, just, just a deal that just sends them over the top. But um, speaking of which, the Tobias Harris trade, uh, they sent Tobias uh, to the 76ers. So now you have a starting lineup with Tobias, uh, Jimmy Butler, Ben Simmons, uh, Joel Embiid, and JJ Reddy. Another trade that I don't feel like really sends them over the top. I do think that it does make them better. Um, but there's nothing really more for the sake. Like, I don't think you know. It's not really a wild. Like there have been, there haven't been any wild trades this year, to me at least. But I mean, what do y'all think? What are y'all thoughts on that trade? Well, you got clear his throat to speak right there. But um, with the whole Tobias Harris trade, um, I actually, I actually like the deal. Now, um, I mean, it's gonna be interesting to see how it plays out over the course of the season. Now you're talking about them having to build chemistry in this, you know, span of time. They already were trying to build chemistry once Jimmy came over. Um, but I, I like what it does for them. That starting lineup is um, as good as any starting lineup in the East. You know, no starting lineup is as good as that Warriors unit. But um, I think once again, to me, one through four, because, of course, I feel we're going to see, obviously, with Victor Oladipo being hurt, you're going to see the Pacers fall down. And that one through four anybody can come out of the east so i think that philly what they did was they just put themselves in position that hey we can come out of the east as well will they do it i don't know but i still do like the deal for them and then if it's a situation too where jimmy is getting antsy and decides that maybe in free agency he wants to go and he wants to team up let's just say the whole thing about him and kyrie being close friends and wanting to play together is true well okay let's move this forward with tobias harris as our third piece in there so yeah. Um. So my thoughts on the trade. Um, first, I don't think it's going to be anything special, anything great. Um, I think I think 
they're going to probably get knocked out the second round. And I said this on Twitter. Um, I think they're not going to go any further than the second round. I mean, you just look at that Twitter team. Twitter Of course, I, I think you look at that team. <laughs> oh, he just went straight on. Yeah. With his <laughs> I think you look at that team and they don't have that much depth. You know what I'm saying? So I think they're going to be on the buyout market, of course. But you can't, you can't figure out chemistry with 25 games left in the season and expect to win a championship. It just doesn't work like that. And so that's why I think they're going to struggle. And I think talent alone is going to push them to the playoffs, obviously. You know, but I think that's when you got to have chemistry when you get into that playoff games. And I think that's what's going to kill them against these teams that's been playing together all season and only added one piece. The Sixers have added two big pieces, two people that, that needs to score the ball to that team. And so I think that's what's going to kill them ultimately. Yeah. I agree, Los. That's a good point, man. Good point. And... Least importantly, but interesting enough of a trade uh, that I wanted to discuss, the Bucks? but I forgot. Miritich to the Bucks? No, nah, I didn't care about that, but you we can talk you about it. You don't think that does anything for them either? I'm, no, I, I don't. Think, <laughs> I, think, I mean, it makes I think, them better. I think you got to look at, you know, how Miritich played in the playoffs last year for the Pels. Miritich was a really key factor for them. And the Bucks, once again, I mean, you're saying, okay, the Sixers had Tobias Harris. You know the Celtics, they continue to build chemistry and playing some of their best basketball at this point. You know, it was still whispers even before, you know, the Marcus Saw trade went down that, that Toronto was trying to get Marcus Saw. So it's like, hey, we are leading the conference as far as record and all that, but we still need to do whatever we got to do um, to make sure that we can get to the finals. And so I think that that was a nice piece for them. He fits to me really well, especially with Giannis. Um, He'll spread I, the floor. Right, exactly. And I think that even with them building, to me, you got to build similarly to how you built around young LeBron with Giannis. Not saying that Giannis is young LeBron. I'm not obviously trying to say he's all the time, mm. you know, top five, all this kind of stuff like that. But I think that Miritis is that type of piece that fits really well over there and once again levels them off with those top um, four teams over there. Mm-hmm. Well, um, the trade that I really did want to mention, though, and we predict this stuff because we talked about this a few podcasts ago. I can't remember the episode. Markel Folks. Oh, yeah. 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 Get, got sent to Orlando, ending his run with Philadelphia. Number one, former number one pick. Have yeah. y'all seen this quick of a, like, turnaround of a number one pick before? I've, I haven't seen it, but, you know, like I keep reiterating, when he first came out, I didn't know what was the hype about him. Mean, he was averaging twenty points at Washington University of Washington, you know. But I was just like, who is this kid, you know? And and now to see him being traded away, you know, the franchise that invested their number one pick in two thousand sixteen, uh, twenty seventeen. Twenty seventeen. Wow, twenty seventeen has has parted ways with him. First, I, I think I like the change of scenery for him. Oh, yeah, I do, yeah. too. I do, too. 100% needed that change of scenery. He needed to be on a team where he can be the man and dominate the ball. We talked about that in the past before when we were trying to figure out what was going on with him. I think on that team with Ben Simmons, Jimmy Butler, Joel Embiid, he was going to never be that guy to run a pick and roll and dominate the ball. Now he's on a magic team where when he gets healthy, that, hey, Given the ball, you figure it out, you the man now. Make something happen, kind of like it was when he was at Washington. 
And so I think that's I think that's the best move for him. That what happens. The best thing I think now is he can get healthy, and then let's see what he got. You know, they they may end up with a steal. You know, with a player. I mean, watching him and his highlights in college, that's all we can pretty much go off of now because he has not showed anything in the, in the NBA. I agree. Yeah, I I think that it's a situation that that really it can work out for kind of everybody in that picture. Like you were saying. It was never going to click in Philly. It just wasn't going to click. I mean, you look at a situation not exactly the same, but look at Jaleel Okafor and look at his time in Philly. Him being in a similar situation in which he in the shadow of Embiid, he could have never really been himself, could never really play on that low now block. Now killing it with the never, Pelicans. Yeah. So, yeah. And so you seeing what he put in, in. So with Markel Fultz, that whole situation. Same with Jaboy Parker. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bro, Jabari is <laughs> How do you explain this, Yudoki? Yudoki hey, fan, how do you explain this? I, I want say, you I, to explain this. He's hey, a former Duke player. Hey, Duke. Kyrie lighting it up right now. Oh, Jason Tatum getting buckets, right? Jason Tatum ain't really doing all that much. Okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> so we're not going to just make this about Duke. We're getting back to Markel Fultz. I really actually do believe in the kid. I believe if it clicks mentally for him, and I think that that's been the main issue. I think something went wrong mentally there. If it clicks mentally, he has the skill, he has the talent. I really believe that he can be a really good player. Do I believe that he's going to be an MVP like he said he was going to be? I don't believe that. But I think that this is something that can work out for him and work out for all parties. And it also, too, did allow the Sixers to get, you know, even though their bench isn't deep at all, it allows them to get somebody that they, they can now bring off the bench with Jonathan Simmons. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, so there you have it. There you have it. A change of scenery. We'll see how it goes. I wish them all the best, though, man. I really do because it's, it's just maybe a change of scenery, a change of franchise will help him out, you know. Just weird injury, man. Weird start to his career, man. Real start, but if 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 if, if uh, Derrick Rose can come back and shake back like he has, then I, you know Markel can you know he he has you know he's a young young cat so he has a lot of time to to shake back so right. we, we want him to shake back man. Um, anything else that we need to talk about? I think those were the the main the high key points that we really uh, want to hit man. KD cry, baby. Uh, trade deadline. Uh, you like saying that KD cry, baby. We NFL. hit the Super Bowl. <laughs> Super Bowl NFL, NFL, NFL draft coming up. When are, what are we doing? Like, we got to. Yeah, it's, I mean. Uh, I know our rank is going to be coming out pretty soon. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I know we're going to go into our rankings, and then we're going to start pretty much talk, touching on. Uh, some 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 sleepers since we nailed our sleepers in the past before. So yeah, yeah. I nailed my Darius Leonard defensive rookie of the year. I nailed it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, man, we got that's coming out real soon. Uh, follow us on O underscore Bench Warmers on Twitter and Instagram. I know you see them Instagram followers going up. <laughs> Make sure that you see what others are following. We got cool graphics. We got clips from the podcast. Man, we got. Good stuff on there. And just like Lo said, we got our rankings coming out. I know you're going to want to check that out. I know. we gained, I think we gained some credibility last year with our rankings, man. Yeah. We came out pretty well. So make sure that you 
you know, lock in on that on Twitter, O underscore Benchwarmers on Twitter and Instagram. And make sure that you subscribe to us. Um, oh, just search Opinionated Benchwarmers in your podcast app and on uh, the podcast app on your iPhone. And then we're on Stitcher and Google Play. Uh, so make sure that you subscribe. Please leave a review. Um, and yeah, thanks for the support. Thanks for listening. Well, until next time, you'll hear from us soon. Peace out.